<laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. <laughs> Joining me tonight, I've got Tom and Jafo. I was going to say, we're, we're pretty much jumping on this straight after the defeat to Newcastle, of course. So it's a pretty instant reaction from ourselves. Um, and because of the time gap, there's not a whole lot of news we're going to talk about in our massively delayed proceedings on to be honest but i guess guys how are we both feeling on uh, i was gonna wait after this weekend because tom we did um was it the fulham show a couple of weeks back where wolves were a friday night game and we're like the that friday night game can make or break your weekend yeah. and it felt like a bloody long wait to get to half four um today to get to it for me, and I don't know, complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, you just can't be a Saturday at three, can you? Let's oh. face it, there's just, nothing's as good as a Saturday at three. Um, yeah, I could watch the football this weekend, um, whereas if this game had happened on Friday, maybe I wouldn't have done So, yeah, so it's all, it's, it ain't all bad. Yeah, I was gonna say that that's probably a bit of relief. I just get to go into work tomorrow to be frustrated about it, but. We're going to crack right on, guys, with it because there is plenty to talk about. Um, I was going to say, there's been goals, VAR controversy. Oh, if only there were pundits ready to talk about it on um, mainstream media as well. But we'll go right into the lineups because I, I, part of me is like, do I bring it up? But, but I thought, yeah, it's, it's I, the way I see it is. At least whatever we do for the next, what, 45 minutes for an hour or so can't be as bad as the alternative match for Dave that was on GB News last night, which does give me confidence in what we're, what we're <laughs> about to be doing. <laughs> uh, so um, we'll we'll get right on. Um, so when the lineup came out, I was a little bit, unsure of it really because we've played so well with Kuna in that front three and I thought he had a really strong second half or half an hour um, against Spurs but to see him not start and see Podence was a bit of a surprise to me. Jafo, what, what were your kind of thoughts on the lineup? Yeah, I think the Podence one kind of came out of the blue didn't it? It was just, yeah. he's not been involved for weeks and weeks and weeks. Nobody really understands why. I know he had a, a little knock a while back but Nobody understands why he's been in and out of the subs bench, but <clears throat> yeah, to see him and, and him and Jimenez start together, it's a strange one because it's just in the past it's just not really worked. Um, it's not something that we've actually seen under Lopetegui, but that front three is it just doesn't seem to strike you as that Lopetegui um, style of football. You know, Jimenez, Traore and Podence are all very mercurial sort of footballers who, who, you know, do their own sort of thing. 
the work rate and that is not a, that a, like Acuna and Sarabia and and people like that where you know that they, they work hard for the team. <clears throat> They're very much their own little thing, doing their own style of football. And I say, like I say, it just doesn't didn't really feel like a Lopetegui team apart from say the midfield and the defense, but the front three yeah was very unique. Yeah, I think it. it, it when I kind of saw it, I kind of didn't quite know how it was gonna work physically on the pitch because I think you've nailed it to be fair Jafo in terms of like they all seem to do their own separate things on a football pitch um you know and it's kind of going to be undoing the other one and again he's come to a bit of criticism recently is Mateus Nunes being dropped to the bench for um Matinho um uh, Tom what were your car thoughts um, I still very much the opinion that Matinho is better for half an hour at the end of a game, um, and I, I, I don't think I'm not quite in the stew loving camp of Nunes. I don't I don't mind. I don't. I, he's clearly being played out of position when he plays, and he's clearly got bags of ability. Um, but yeah, I think actually I think Matinho actually played quite quite well. I think he had quite quite a good game really. Um, but I, again, I don't think he should be consistently starting starting games for us uh, to be honest um so i wasn't massively uh, i wasn't massively fussed um with that one but i completely agree with what Jafo was saying about the uh, yeah yeah the front the front three just whenever those two play with Raul, he's just so isolated because he's got no one near him Sarabia yeah, and Kuna yeah. get round him and and the other two they play out wise. You, you, I think it's a bit of a myth that Pedence plays on the inside because he always seems to go wide for me, and Adama definitely does. He's your um, mm. chalk on your boots type type uh, type player. So um, I think it just isolates Raul when uh, when those two are around him. Unfortunately, yeah, especially if you've not got the necessary support from midfield. Where you know there was a point in the well, it was in the first half where you know Troy does what Troy does. And he beat his man and. He, he got past, I think it was Botman, and knocked a really solid cross. But you only had sort of Jimenez in the middle. And, you know, Wolves have picked up a little bit recently in terms of those second balls and things like that. Um, so, yeah, that, that front three didn't really gel throughout the game. They all kind of had their individual uh, moments. But, Tom, I've got to ask, because we've had a um, question on YouTube, and I can see Jafo's already seen it. Because I wonder what you're all been... laughing at, man. It's it's sorry, man. I, I, really, I feel really bad. I feel really bad for laughing. That's why I had to turn my mic off. <laughs> Go on. Go okay. On. Uh, do you know a guy called David Fletcher? He, he happens to be a friend of mine, really. Enough. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so, question from David Fletcher. Yeah, if you're going to put it online, we're going to call it out, David. Uh, question for Tom. How many Newcastle Browns would it take for me to be able to uh, pull the wolves over your eyes and suck you off two, <laughs> two or one? I mean, it... <laughs> Fair enough. Wow, I mean, this um, is live, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this is um. Oh, it, David, if you're not already, make sure you've <laughs> um, you've um, like, shared, and subscribed. I think we're about four followers off hitting the uh, hitting the two k mark. So, yes. Hey, I'm not doing stuff for followers. Forget <laughs> that. You have Dan texting me saying, "Come on, do X, Y, and Z." Only fancast. We've talked about this. We've <laughs> talked about this, guys. But it's a potentially it's a no go. Um, 
Yes, Tim, in the comments as well. Uh, maybe Rich Jafoe and Tom can host match for day two tonight. I, I feel like we're on the list somewhere, but I think we're quite low down before we're getting a call from the BBC, you know, to, to do it. And would I want to be the scab? I don't I don't quite know. I don't quite know. But um yeah, go on then. <laughs> no, um if the price is right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, we'll, we'll do it for the right figure. Um, but so long as we can still promote our 90 min uh, partners as well. Um you may <laughs> I'm in a silly mood apparently. Um because I um but I found the game a bit fr really frustrating because I genuinely think there there isn't an awful lot between Newcastle and Wolves in terms of where I think Wolves' ceiling can be as a football side. And even that first like 10 minutes, just Wolves didn't really quite seem up for races for me. And we've seen it under Wolves and Delopetegui. Sometimes we start fantastically. And we kind of really go out with traps. And then other times we struggle to find our way into a game. Um, do you think that was because Newcastle are a good footballing side at the moment? Or do we think it's because, as we kind of noted, there wasn't lots of synergy in this team? How, how did you guys kind of pitch the first um, sort of 15 minutes of the game? It's tough, man. Because like, I, think, I think the one thing we've seen with Lopetegui is... The games that we have played where we struggled and started slow has been against like teams like Brighton and and and, and such where they're, they're very organised and mm. where we've got to take control in a game and try and break teams down. I mean, it's it's, it's I mean, it sounds like a broken record because it's similar to what we've heard before with previous management, but it's very much the same thing. Is when you're playing against um, you know, a team who is set up in a certain way, like Newcastle. Are, you know, Newcastle are, are very structured you know we'll talk about it later when we talk about like average player positions and stuff like that i know you've got some graphics for that rich but like they are a very structured team and they work in in a way to get the most of the players that they've got <clears throat> and i think we kind of struggle to break systems down like that and i think some of the results that we've had recently with teams like tottenham and liverpool when we've done well against them is when they've been out of form and, and the players have had some like individual issues and, and haven't been as um well drilled which it's a strange thing to say when you're talking about traditional top six teams, but the ones who are doing quite well this season, like your Brightons and stuff, is is they have got the most out of being a unified team and getting the most out of the eleven. Definitely, and I, I kind of I think got a little bit optimistic because Newcastle's form has been a bit up and down recently, but I think it's one of those where you look at it. On, I guess, from first glance, sort of seeing how we lost the last couple, drawn um, a couple before that. You know, I think within that, the last two defeats were to Liverpool and to City. I think it was so. I think I, I was kind of hoping we'd kind of still catch them on that bit of anxiousness, but we really didn't, and it did surprise me for that, that sort of first exchange. And I did kind of query if we'd get something out of the game. Um, but we did settle. And, you know, we... I was going to say, we, for me, we, we we did kind of build our confidence. And the fact that we didn't kind of 
concede in those opening stages where I think under Bruno, it might have been a different story, but they do just seem a bit more resolute that, you know, if the team gets to the edge of our 18-yard box, there's still that confidence that they're still going to have to find a way through us, um, which is positive. But we always look threatening on the counter-attack because even though with those front three players, we do have players with that who can transition the ball from 18-yard box to 18-yard box in a few seconds. And we'll talk about the major incident in the first half because, well, it, it it's for Biggie. Um, it, it's for VAR call. And before we do so, I want to kind of talk about the incident just before it on Rupert Neves. Now, the ball breaks loose. I think Dan Byrne goes on a marauding run. Ball, say, over knocks a touch and he kind of goes sliding in. Now, there's two things for me. It's A, do you think that VAR should have had a little look at it? Or is it just it football being football? But also, fuck was the Newcastle reaction to Nevers about it. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a red card. It's it's not yeah, it looks bad on the on the still, doesn't it? Just for the audio uh, listeners, there's a still of it now. It, it it does look pretty bad. It's it's um it's about on the ankle, isn't it? So it's not shin height. So I don't know if people saw the Casemiro one today. It's not quite like that where he, he hasn't gone over the ball. Um, so I think it had been a, probably would have been a, a harsh red. Um, but yeah, the audacity of Burn to have a go at Neves at the end of it was just scandalous for me. It was just ridiculous. Um, but obviously the big one is the um, what happens after that. Um, yes. So uh, I was going to say for for anyone who's decided to tune into this without watching the game all the highlights. Um, basically, the ball broke from that challenge in the middle of the Wolves box all the way down to the other end. And Wolves were, again, you sometimes see it from Jimenez. And for all his faults, he's quite good at picking up these short um, back passes and things like that. Catches Nick Pope off guard, who takes a horrendous touch and clears him out. And I know, I think there were, there were some mixed opinions during the game, but by about half time, I think everyone realised that it was a it was a clear penalty. And I think VAR looked at it for all of about two seconds. There was no when we watched it on Sky. It didn't, you know, it usually cuts to the VAR thing, doesn't it? And you see mm. that like the words VAR. It could, but it never did that. So I wasn't even sure if it was even checked. Um, it's unbelievable. It's so frustrating. Um, I don't know. The only case I can argue for it not being a penalty potentially is that Jimenez does sort of almost like initiate the contact a little bit. But doesn't make it any less of a foul. I mean, Grealish has made a career off that. You know, yeah. Harry Kane is just, you know, he's the master at that. You know, it's not... It's, 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 Pope's shoulder goes into Jimenez's stomach, ribs, whatever you like. It's it's proper contact. It wasn't like a brush. It was proper contact. And I just, I can't believe that two people, you know, haven't given that as a penalty, the ref on the field. And then the, you know, the VARF, I don't know who the VARF was, but I think they were saying, you know, in the studio, they were saying, uh, they're saying, that, you know, could he, uh, 
I've ridden it because it was a, a clear and obvious error, but he's about 70 yards away from he's it. Still... There isn't, it's a joke. Like, he, should, he should have the opportunity to have a look at that again, you know, in, in a decent light because he clearly hasn't had a good view of that from 70 yards away. That's um, why VAR's there. It's, yeah, I'm it's pretty sure the ref's in the other half of the pitch and he's got a player blocking his view. I just, and it's, and it's like, how can you genuinely make that decision? From that, that from that far a distance, and you know, you've got a linesman who must be basically in line with it as well, who's either not seen it or not done anything about it, and it's just from for mine boggles when I I know we we must ramp on about VAR every bloody week, but just just have a just take a second look. It it surely doesn't take a a minute does it Jafo just to kind of pause and like there's no the, the ball went up and down the pitch very quickly I can't, can't I'm not having a go at the ref because he's 70 yards away because the ball moves faster than the man yeah I was gonna say you know how, you know how bad it is because there's barely any balls players in support let alone for referee but surely just be humble enough to to have a look yeah I mean I just I had to watch you back again just because I mean I'm I'm, I'm I'm not one of the ones who, who like Stu is very like yeah definitely not but I wasn't sure and I'm still not sure because the one thing that I, I think with it was because Jimenez has, has got in and nicked the ball is I don't think he's going to catch it before he goes out of play mm. I think he's probably he's not going to get to the ball if he gets past if Pope doesn't initiate that contact I think that's the only thing for me that, that would stop them from giving that penalty is the fact that he's lost control of the ball. Um, what Pope did was silly. And I think we saw it actually probably twice out the game. There was a, yeah. there was one in the second half as well um, where he, he lost control of the ball. And he's, he, we've seen that from the last couple of weeks from, you know, it, it was, I think it was, it was against Liverpool. He got sent off. Um, yeah. He, he has this tendency to make silly mistakes. And it was it was a shame we couldn't counteract on it. I, th- I think there was a there's a there is a sort of ch- chance there that he probably should have been given as a penalty. But I think Jimenez has probably done too much on <laughs> to to get there and actually win the ball. Like I well, say, that, I think I think he's going to kick the ball out of play. I just don't think he's going to catch up to it. That that was something that I, I pondered. I was trying to work out well what. Could slash should Jimenez do in that situation? Because I think you've got, I guess, two trails of thought in terms of why it wasn't given. You've got, like, what Tom, you said, he's trying to buy the penalty and initiate contact or, you know, gone down softly. Or he's not really made an attempt to play the ball and continue progressing with the play. Now, with the, with the latter one you brought up, Jafo, I, I can't look at him and think there's no obvious reason why Jimenez can't at least knock it a bit more towards goal. Because I think if he does that and it's not kind of just like a straight line and there's a, a little bit more movement towards the goal, you've got no doubt that what he's trying to do as opposed to just getting a toe on it and it's going you know nowhere near. That's such a hard thing to ask. And like with the other point about say initiating contact, like there's only one thing 
Pope's going to do in that situation. He's going to use the upper half of his body. He's not going to, you know, try and trip him up or anything like that just because of how he's positioned in proximity. So, of course, Jimenez is going to turn his body as well. Like, he's about to get smashed in the side. And, you know, I, I think it was Stu in the WhatsApp group, you know, proclaiming shoulder barges aren't a foul. I mean, they're sort of a foul when the play, the opposition players making no attempt for the ball. And I think that's it for me, that he just tries to cut across him. And it's fine if the ball's, like, next to them and you're attempting to kind of obstruct them to you know, get in front of them. But if the ball's nowhere near, then like, I, I, I just can't get my head around it. And the frustrating thing for me um, is we didn't react well to that decision and we still kind of lost our heads a little bit throughout it, which we've seen quite a few times from these players and not just, you know, not Lopetegui, not Bruno, even Nuno, you could argue that sometimes when a decision doesn't quite go their way, it seems to take them longer than I'd like to mentally get back on track. Yeah, I think they're very an emotional-driven team. And I think we've seen that with, with, with a lot of the major incidents over the past three or four years. Mm. You know, you focus on like the Sevilla game, the um, the Raul Jimenez incident against Arsenal. Very emotional-driven team. And I think in football, it can be very, very damaging, as in any sport. You know, you go into anything, any, any, any sort of um, sporting env- environment. You know, um, whether that be MMA, boxing, as well. If you go into it and you're really emotionally driven, you generally you're going to come out on on the worst end of it. You know, there's a lot of people who who achieve good things, especially more more in one on one sports, the people who are able to put emotions to the side and just go out there and do the business, as it were the ones who generally come out on top. And I think as a team, that's one thing where, where we let ourselves down is we let our emotions get the best of us. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy to say, okay, we should put our emotions to one side. But I think that psychology part of it is that five, 10% where we let ourselves down. And, you know, we, we, we stay focused and, and we stay in control of ourselves. Then we probably don't concede and we go in at, you know, nil, nil. Um, I, complete, I completely agree. I think it's not just decisions, it's goals as well. Mm. We react in weird ways to goals. and it, it, Classic in this game, we can, that was the penalty incident, then we conceded the first goal and then we went to shit. For 10 minutes, we went to mm. absolute shit. Like, no structure, nothing. We should have probably, you know, conceded another two, you know, goal or two at that point. And when we equalised, we went shit as well. I don't know what it, what it was. It was a mindset thing or something, but... Um, you, you summed up perfectly. You felt, yeah, we're an emotional team, and it's not—it's—it's it's, it's ref decisions, it's—it's it's events in the game, it's goals, it's what have you. And um, when you've got an eleven, it, it, we, I think we'd all reasonably argue that, that are more than capable of staying up. You—you've got to make sure it's just your ability that shows through, and you don't have anything that stops that ability from uh, from doing what it should be doing. And you know, emotion is, is one of those things that can really scupper that. You want to take out all the, um, you know, sort of outside influences you possibly can and just leave it to your, leave it to your ability. Do you think it doesn't help that Wolves are a team of, like, fine margins, that we don't score a lot, 
we don't actually concede an awful lot either. So when these decisions either go our way or go against us, they they almost kind of seem, I guess, like a, a unique circumstance for you. You know, if you've already got players who are, I guess, more emotionally driven anyway, the when that decision goes against you, and like the VR one's a great example because, like, yeah, I think the ref was wrong. I think we should have a penalty, and I think Newcastle arguably should be down to ten men. I know you could argue double jeopardy, whatever. But that ain't the reason Wolves lost the game. And I think Newcastle probably on the front of it were worthy winners by the end of it. Um, which kind of pains me to say. But because of that, it's such a big turning point for Wolves that we don't mount an awful lot of other chances. And, and you know, we, we still had Podence hitting the post in the first half as well. But again, it, it's these snapshots within a game where you know it, it just never feels like we kind of create enough still and it's still these kind of short little bits yeah but i think yeah definitely but i think so the way we react to things is, is quite poor and i think it's quite telling that our best spell of the game probably came in that sort of like 15 minutes from the 50th minutes probably yeah mm. probably 65th was once they Lobtegi got his claws into him because they just, I think you said, Tom, they seem to react very badly to it and they're very badly to, to going down. And I think we could probably spend fucking hours sitting here psychoanalyzing Wolves yeah. teams and, 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 you know, and I don't know, probably, I don't know if any of us has got a background in that, but I don't think we have. But, and it's one of those things now is, is that, that there must be a nagging feeling in the back of their head. Was that if we go one nil down, are we going to score two goals? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it, you know that, it, it's easy to say, but you've got to have that sort of like nagging feeling in you know in your, in your subconscious just to say, mm. how are we going to get back in this? How are we going to get three points? Because the last couple of years we we ain't we ain't gone into games thinking we're going to score two, three, four. Yeah, we we ain't got this ability. So it, it, it must be a horrible feeling for them and, and, and the pressure that they feel and the pressure from us fans as well. And, and from our side of things is, is that we know that there's a, there's a chance that we, if we can see the first goal that we ain't going to get a, a win today, or, you know, there's a chance we don't even get a point. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, epitomized by, you know, we haven't had a center forward scoring a goal, um, you know, for, for a calendar year now. And it, it, it all adds up. And you're right that if we can see the chances of scoring two in a game is so nominal. Get over that mental barrier. It must be really tough. Um, and I'm curious to see how we do it. And I think you're right. It's interesting that we usually perk up after half time and you know Lopetegui's made his changes and got things got things moving. Um, let's talk briefly about the the Newcastle goal um, before we kind of talk second half stuff because second half's far more interesting. Um, Few people claiming it wasn't a foul. Um, Jimenez again, sort of again involved. Um, I think it probably was. It's a bit tough, it's a bit harsh because he has tried to play the ball, but because I guess he's coming from behind, and you know, it, it there are a few better players over a dead ball than Kieran Trippier. Um, unfortunately, as well for Wolves. 
we loved giving away free kicks around there in the first half. I mean, the amount of times they do it, they just certainly it. ask for trouble. I mean, they, mm. he had the, they had the free kick that was about 20 yards out, that mm. uh, about 10 minutes in, and then it didn't stop after that. Just free kick after free kick. It, yeah, again, it probably is a free kick. Um, I couldn't get over the mark in there. How is Johnny on it, Isaac? Yeah. I don't get it. Again, we've had this before. Is it Everton? Um, yes, where we had it, where you, we had all our short players on their big players, and I, I don't know if it's part zone, part man marking. I, I, they're trying to leave Dawson free, don't they, to do um, to do the mopping up, and he went mental when when the goal went in. Um, so someone obviously wasn't doing their job. I don't know if if someone other than Johnny should have been been on him. I'm not sure, but that that shouldn't happen. As much as Johnny had a poor first half, um, it's hard to have a go when someone who's a lot taller than you just out jumps you because it's mm. inevitable in that scenario. I mean, there was a corner in the first half where Dan Byrne, I think, I think it was directly from the corner. It might have been a set piece play where Dan Byrne comes in at the back post. Yeah, and the yeah. nearest Wolves player too. And sorry, the nearest Wolves player too was Ruben Neves, and I. Of all players to making sure you, you you're tracking, it's prob. In my opinion, you track the guy who's six foot six. I don't I don't know. Yeah, like, I guess that's the reason, doesn't it? Yeah, and I don't know, like little things like that. It's a, it's such a bugbear um, for for a lot of fans. I think Wolves did well to. I can't say to actually make sure we went in at one nil at half time. I think. The introduction of Pedro Neto really helped because I think all of a sudden, you know, we talked about there not being a great amount of chemistry between Jimenez, Traore and Podence. Neto seemed to make it work a lot more. And we, we came out, it felt like a very different side. And the game opened up a hell of a lot more, but at least it wasn't just one-way traffic coming our way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I seem to have banged my head against the the wall in the last couple of weeks talking about Traore, and, and I, I said the same thing again. I've said in the past few weeks is he doesn't have the adaptability of some mm. of the other players that we've got, and you notice as soon as Neto comes on, Pedence takes up a lot of space in the right as well. He, he can they can swap sides. Yeah, you know it's a lot of the time. Uh, you know, I heart back to some of the the, the older sort of um, relationships that we had. Um, at Wolves, so you go back to Jarvis and Kitely, where they could swap over sides and things like that. Mm. And you've got you've got players who can who can play in, on the either side. Adama can't play on the left, so that, this sort of like swapping over and, and and being able to come to inverted wingers and and have wingers who play with width can't happen because when he's in the team, which is fine if you can get him involved and and get him to. To, to you know, have an impact on the game a lot like what Sam Maximum was doing for them. You know, Sam Maximum he's better on that left hand side, I and mean, he can come inside or he can go in the outside and, and you know jig around players and, and put players on their ass like he, he did in that game. Because then the other side is you've got a player who can do the same thing. You know, he's stronger in that area, and they play to that strength. And you know, you have an organised team, but when you've got these sort of mercurial players. You want players who, who want to come inside and come into space, and and there has to be balance, and there's there's, there's no sort of balance with these three, and and so Pedro now coming on sort of gave that balance, and, and we saw what was arguably probably the best fifteen minutes of the game up for Wolves was when Newcastle didn't know how to handle that, and that 
that movement of players probably probably would have been better if, if Cunha was on the pitch as well. So you you put Cunha, mm. Neto, and Podence into that. We probably score. We we uh, again, and we and we probably we, we may even take a point from that game today. Yeah, but you know, I know, I know. It's been mentioned in the comments. Lopetegui's put his hands up and said he got it wrong. And the one thing that I, 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 you know, I look forward to in the summer, and I've put it in the group chat today. The one thing I look forward to is assuming we stay in the league, which I think we do. I don't think there's any there's any worry at the moment for us to to be concerned about. Is that Lopetegui is going to rebuild a lot of that team, and a lot of the, the players who have been involved today, and the ones that probably we're concerned about aren't going to be there next year. You know, we've got players out of contract. We've got players who are probably going to move on. So I think next season is probably going to be more telling about what we're going to do with Lopetegui's team. And I think he's doing pretty good with what he's got at the moment. But he's finding balance. And I think there needs to be a certain certain amount of consistency. And I think that's been mentioned in the comments as well, is, is that he seems to chop and change a lot of these players. I think we need to find our strongest eleven and play with this sort of consistency. So I know people, teams will get used to it. Teams will get used to playing against us. But if we know what we're doing and we can do it to the best of our ability, we will get results. Because we've seen that. We've seen that with Lopetegui. We've seen these players seem to be performing and we're getting the better, you know, for people who are into stats and that. But the metrics are getting better and, and we're seeing more... Um, chances created would seem better XG for people who like that sort of thing. You know, it's 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 out there and, and we're seeing improvement. So I think this needs to be a little step towards consistency. I think that's the one thing that, that concerns us and worries us about that. And I think that, harking back to where we started with this, I think that's sort of where we need to see what's the best front three, what's mm. the best combination of wingers that we have. And I think Daniel Pedence gets the best when you've got some rules of a similar elk on the other side. I'm losing my voice now, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you 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 bang on that it feels like the back four was pretty consistent up until Bueno's injury. And I think we missed him today personally as well. Um which is something for a guy who's played like what, fifteen games for us? Um, and I don't, I don't think John, Johnny played bad because you can't know what you, you get with him. He's a very steady Eddie. But then going up the pitch, I think they're fairly settled on that midfield three to a degree. And I think, you know, it's pretty much Lamina, Neves and Mateus with, um, you know, Matinho playing at, almost ad hoc. You know, one of them wants to, you know, if they kind of decide to have a bit of rotation, but that that front three and it is obviously the killer for Wolves because it kind of screams where we're missing our goals. And you know, you, you look at that Newcastle team, and uh, we, when we did repeat uh, the preview show with um, uh, Pete, and he sort of kind of it was almost nonchalant saying, "Oh well, yeah, this is this is the team we play," and it, it's it's almost like. I feel like a very bitter when it's kind of like, well, yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's, that's what you were playing because that's the team that, that works. And obviously, we we can't find it now. And or if we do, it happens in like the second half of the game. So you know, like against Spurs, where we kind of shift system at half time. Kuna comes on, we go to a back three, we go wing backs, and 
it's this different outlet, but it it works. And I don't know, I completely agree, Joe. Just that lack of consistency, and part of it's just because you know you talk about needing a clear out in the summer because a lot of these players aren't that great uh, or aren't that um, productive. Is probably a nicer way of putting it, isn't it? The I know Wolves fans to a degree are sort of still a bit divided on Daniel Podence. He can he can have these wonderful moments like you know him hitting the post. He you know won that free kick right on the edge of the box, which um, Neto nearly scored from. Where he does a great turn, but then he goes missing. He gets injured, and I can't think if he gets sold in the summer. Are many fans going to be that upset? And you could pretty much argue that to most of the front line or, or any kind of forward player at Wolves that, you know, maybe Neto, I think, just because I feel that there's like a level of potential still to get out of him. And the, the injury look he's had over the last two years is rotten. Um, but I can, I can understand why we don't have consistent, why Lopetegui's not managed to do it yet, just because of the sheer lack of genuine quality at the moment which which is what surprised me about Kuna not starting because he's been someone who yeah the goals haven't been there but he's made everyone else play better I'm, I'm assuming it's still a fitness thing um, to be honest so. but yeah. yeah that's the only thing I can put it down on but um, a player who did make his fitness return if that's such a thing we all know what I mean um, was Wangi Chan getting involved and bloody getting a goal You'd have thunk it. That assist was better than any of our players of the North season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rather worrying the subtruth in that time. Yeah, I know, yeah. It's isn't it? I mean, it's almost annoying how good Kieran Trippi is so good at doing assists. I'll just dish him out for the opposition now as well. Yeah. It, it, it. But I was going to say, jokes aside, Let's give a little bit of credit to Huang because again, he followed his pa- he followed the ball into the box, which I, I've I've seen players not do. You know, it's a really basic thing, isn't it? But you know, he worked he worked hard to get into a position to score the goal. Is what I'm saying. He, yeah. he, was, be- he was between the posts, ten yards out, which yeah. we don't have players who do that, so you've got to be there to score it. Um, it's not the first time, is it? It's no, not the no. First I mean, you 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 can hark back to some of his other goals, especially like against Newcastle when he first came in. He occupies that space yeah. against Arsenal last season. He picks up on that loose ball. He get he scores. You know, he picks up that the goal by um, I think was it Burton Leno? Maybe mm-hmm. made the mistake. We get you know in goal for them. You know, he's he's one of these people. He can do something a little bit different, and and, and especially between the posts, he's that that sort of like he pops up. He sort of like almost. To, to use football sort of like you know these superlatives that sort of like fox in the box sort of player you know he's got that he's got that sort of uh, thing about him he he know he pops up at the right time he can score a goal out of nothing and and i think that's where he's kind of value his value in the team is is he can he can make something out of out of a mistake or yeah i think whether well, that's the right way of putting it but yeah i think you kind of said it tommy he works well within the post yeah, I think that's the thing that always kind of frustrated me about Huang because, you know, obviously his first touch isn't great and some of those aspects of the game don't lend... His weaknesses get very much highlighted in the modern game 
in terms of his ability to pass and move, essentially. But what he is good at is you know, he's good at finding those little bits of space and having that bit of an eye for goal, which is so bloody vital. But unfortunately, you know, you can't kind of necessarily carry a player like that. But, you know, it, it, it was still good. I think Wolves at that point were probably just about deserving of that, that one or draw. Um, I mean, the, the downside to a degree is that, well, Newcastle were kind of making their changes as well. So, you know, at the same time, we bring on, you know, Huang and Nunes at Nori. They bring on Almiron and Wilson. We get the goal, you know, a minute later, as it were. And then five minutes later, I say Lopetegui goes for a change and goes for a back five, um, taking off, you know, bringing on Collins, taking off Matinho. And it just didn't pan out the way I think it was hoping for. And you say Lopetegui said it afterwards, you know, he, he made a he made a mistake on that. And I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but on that 75th minute mark, what do you think he could and should have done differently? I can see why why he did what he did. I think he's had, he's had a roll of the dice and the roll of the dice that worked last Saturday, um, which got him three points, has ultimately cost him a point probably this, this time around. Um, they, to be honest, as, as much as Newcastle looked... Looked okay. They it was mainly from set pieces. I was worried. I didn't. I felt we had them reasonably contained. You know, maybe a few pot shots. Um, so I think he maybe wanted a bit more height in there to deal with the set pieces. Um, Samado at that point was blown out his ass. So I figured he probably needed a bit of cover there. But then we lost the midfield. We took a body out of the midfield and we lost the midfield and therefore lost control of the game. Um, eight nori change did not work at all. Um, so I think it was a combination of factors, really. About what he could have done differently, it's a good shout. I mean, it's it, it's tricky, isn't it? It's not what, why why we're on this and he's in the no. dugout. Um, but I, he could have even argued to take off um, Samedo and put Collins at right back. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. played, he's done that before, so there you get the benefit of the the height and the physicality to deal with what they were going to chuck in the box at us um, without losing a body in the middle, or you know. It's, Matinho's. Was it Matinho came off? No, it was Neves who came off for Nunes, wasn't it? Yeah, so. so it was Matinho who came off for Collins. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one where maybe Matinho, again, had blown himself out at that point, you know, so maybe he had to come off. I don't, you, don't, you don't know, do you? But yeah. I think it, hindsight, you, I'd have probably maybe taken off Samadu. I thought actually had a half decent game. I'd have probably taken him off and put Collins on. And that's mm. one way of shutting it up without losing the midfield. Well, you know, you bring on Jao Gomez for um, Matino would be would be my other kind of thought process. If you know, it, it's a stick or twist moment, and I think because of how Wolves were playing, that when we went to three centre backs, it was never going to be this tactical change for to be more offensive. Despite what you can do with a back three, it was always going to be a very much a back five, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he could. If Matinho is sort of your lynch in terms of who you're taking off, you either drop a player deeper in bringing on mm-hmm. Collins, you put a player on, I guess, more attacking in Kuna, or you maintain the status quo in Gomez and kind of keep a bit of legs in the midfield. And 
I don't know, it's a, it hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, we kind of it I think it just sort of highlights for me what Matino still kind of brings to the table because all of a sudden we did just look a little bit more disjointed, and particularly after a goal as well, when we needed to get a goal and we just didn't we, we struggled to kind of get things moving. Mm. I think we kind of, I think, said it quite well. So we lost control of the game through the midfield. And, and say so I was talking in the group chat as well to Andy about it. And I, I, I'm with you, Tom. I think, I think the, the option could have been to put Collins on as a right back. You know, it's unconventional. But if we, if that's what he wanted to do, is to try and negate probably where Newcastle are, they're the most dangerous within set players and having a bit more height than you know, and, and blocking that out. But the the thing is, the Almiron goal comes from this lack of um, focus that comes from when you bring in a, another centre-back and sort of upset that balance to a team. I, I think what we did quite well with that, with bringing in the three centre-backs against Tottenham, is you kind of get this, this match-up. And I think when you match up and you put three centre-backs against the team who've got three centre-backs, these kind of like sort of shapes and natural spaces on a football pitch quite kind of match up quite well. Doing it against that. And I think, you know, we've, we've seen it and it seems to be a thing that has repeated through like Wolves history. And I think that I can, there's a thing that's like in the back of my mind, I think Mick McCarthy did it in a game. He brought Jaddy Craddock on. I don't know which game it is. I think that kind of escapes me, but he brought him on with like the last five minutes to go and we conceded an important goal. I don't know whether it was against Ipswich or somebody like that, but these things happen. And I think if you haven't, sort of, there's like this sort of natural football synergy that when you play against a team who've got three at the back, you can you, you can make that change. But when it's against a team like Bat Four and, and, and against Newcastle, who make so much of, of midfield being involved and, and having this sort of attacking threat and breaking the shape using three midfielders to then go against two with Nunes, who is a footballer who, you know, te- technically very good, but when he's involved in, in, in midfield two, is he playing to his strengths? You know, are they utilising him? So I think... I mean, where I would have probably said, and you know, to go back to what we're talking about with with what he could have done different was, was he probably made a rod for his arm back, taking mm. Nevers off, and I think that decision was probably made too early. And I think to put his all, he put all of his eggs in one basket with that, and not having um, Nevers on and, and people like that kind of like disrupted the game. And Neves probably wasn't having his best game, but once you know you you limit yourself down to the fact that okay we can, we've got to make one sub and we've got one sub left because I mean bearing in mind this I think that was the last sub was the fifth it was yeah it was the fifth and last yeah you know we've we we're in a position where we can't bring in two and what where, where we probably needed it whereas we probably needed to take Moutinho and Samado off. So where we probably would have benefited from saying, okay, um, Collins comes on for Samedo, we go to stay to a back four, and Xiao Gomez comes on for Moutinho. Was you 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 keep that control in the game, and I think Neves coming off as when he did was probably at the wrong point, and I, I you know you, 
beautiful thing about the hindsight and all this and you know all these superlatives again but the thing is it, when you have a manager and i think you, you, we have to look at this from both sides of the coin because i think we, we as a football club we we can do that quite well because we've had mm-hmm. both sides of it when you've got somebody who's who's very 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 proactive like um like Lopetegui is and, and you know and he attacks the game and he makes these changes at vital points you kind of run the risk of okay later on somebody gets injured or somebody's getting tired you can't make subs whereas we've had the other side of it with Nuno where he didn't make subs until the 80th minute 85th where we probably could have you know people were blown out their ass or they you know they got tired we could make the sub so yeah. it's all about risk and reward. And I think with Lopetegui today, was he run a risk of taking Neves off, but we didn't get the reward from it because we had Samedo and Moutinho, probably who should have been substituted at that, that point. We could only substitute one and we just jointed, disjointed the whole team and we, we allowed Almiron to you know get involved behind and score what was you know eventually the winning goal for them. Yeah, so I was going to say, we've almost got to skip past the goal away because it, the, the change just had this impact over the last 15 minutes or so. But what were your kind of thoughts on the goal? Because, you know, I've seen people talking about Collins. He was a yard too deep. Nori switches off. Kilman switches off. And just for me, it, it, it was almost just a bit tired leg slash just changing system and they didn't quite know how to adapt. I don't think Collins is in too bad a position because I think the point where he takes a step back, I think he's expecting, I think it's, I think it's Alex and Laxman who's still on the pitch. He's expecting him to play the ball forward to give him rest. He always takes a step to kind of cover it. But being ASM, he takes an extra touch and kind of gets it out wide instead. And I don't think he was kind of expecting it. And it kind of almost kills him out of the game, unfortunately. But yeah. Was it that preventable a goal, really? We were out of shape, weren't we? Mm. I think it was just... I, I, I don't know, is eight more even in shot? I think I watched oh, it back yes. and I couldn't see where he was. I didn't actually know where he was. Genuinely, if you watch it back... I might be wrong. I, I don't want to put myself through it too many times, so I've only watched it back a few <laughs> times, but I can't see where he is. So I think he's somewhere by the halfway line or something, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. And that maybe that's why... Yeah, he, uh, he doesn't. Which was probably now our third choice left back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he doesn't trust him. Maybe I think I think that's one of the reasons why Dharma came off as well because he doesn't trust him defensively because they were getting him down our right so many times in the first half. Um, he's made reference to Huang saying he understands the defensive uh, actions of the game and all this sort of stuff. So. Um, I don't want to point fingers because I, you know, it's. It, I think it just ultimately we're out of shape. But yeah, I, I, as I say, I, I think I always got walkabout, which didn't help because then it's pulled. It's pulled Kilman out, which has pulled Collins. Some, you know, sort of in the middle. Um, but then again, you can just overanalyze these things, can't you? It's just, just ultimately annoying. Yeah, when um, when when Almiron finishes from about six yards, six yards out, eight Norrie's on the edge of is on the corner of the penalty box. Right. Okay. So yeah, he, he's literally nowhere near the player. I think it was Isaac who played through Almiron. Not. Um, I think ASM might have already been off at that point. But again, it ju- it just felt like you, whether it was going down to a 
changing to a back five just yeah the, the shape got lost and the, the cohesiveness got not um you know just didn't quite fit which is a shame but we move on um because we've now got a couple of very competitive fixtures ahead of us with uh Leeds and Forest as well um which again not quite must win but I think they're definitely not uh, must must not loses because when you look at the table after this weekend it feels like it could have been worse but yeah we you know obviously we lost and that's never great but you know we're still 13th in the league um which isn't a terrible showing i think you know frustration is that bournemouth picked up three unlikely points and Everton pick up another three points as well. So all of a sudden, you know, there's still kind of five points separating 20th and 12th, which is a bit bonkers, <laughs> to be honest. But we are, you know, we've still got, well, uh, I was going to say 11 to 12 games left of the season for, for most clubs. And, you know, it, it's still, there's still quite a lot in it. I know, Jafo, we were talking um, earlier in terms of, you know, the, the dreaded R word again. Uh, again, I still look at the teams down there and I still look at the form and how we're playing. I've still not got any worries when you when you look at that. I still think that we, we've still got more than about ourselves to finish, well, 13th. No, and I mean, we're still in a good position, right? I mean, yeah. you look at that and you look at and, and uh, where we are, although everyone's got the like, gaming hands on us, yeah, brilliant, but everyone's chasing us. And when mm. we came back from... Um, you know the World Cup break. We were bottom of that pack. We were bottom. We we had to chase everyone. We've had that new manager bounce. We've had a great string of results. We're in a position there where teams are chasing us. So yeah, there's a pressure involved in every level of that. But I'd rather be in a position there and, and where we are in thirteenth with teams wanting to catch up to us. Because at the end of the day, we can we've only got to worry about our own results now. We haven't got to say, okay, well, we need Bournemouth to lose against Everton or we need Everton to only draw with Leicester or this and that, you know. We're the makers of our own destiny. You know, we've got to go in, win these games. Invariably, we only probably need four more wins now in the last yeah. in the last 11 games of the season and we, we stay up. I'd rather be in that position than that of Southampton where, okay, we've got to win now one more game than, than the three teams above us and we've still got to get four wins. So that's, we need at least five and probably six wins at the last 11, you know, chasing teams. I, I wouldn't want to be in that position. I think that, that that new manager bounce that you get when somebody comes in, like Deutsch is doing at Everton, you, you get this sort of like rush of points. And once it sort of levels itself out, we're finding ourselves, we're in that buffer zone. And I think, I don't think it's going to be quite as easy as, the likes of what Stu was saying and that that it'll be over by the end of March and that and we'll be clear. I don't think that's the case, but I think we're in a healthier position than we were, and I know it's easy to say, the under large, but where we are now, I'm happier that people, chasing, people are chasing us than we're chasing other teams. Definitely. Um, again, you know, we, we talk about the number of games in hand, but some of those other teams, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly worried just because they're down there for a reason. And, you know, even if, you know, 
Leicester's probably a great example of this. So, you know, they're three points behind us with a game in hand So and, and with a better goal difference. I'm not saying they won't win their game in hand, but just statistically speaking, when you look at the points per game, the odds aren't exactly in their favour. And, you know, m- maybe one or two of those teams overtake us with those extra games in hand. But I can't imagine it being sort of too many and you know it's going to be a really tough couple of weeks in terms of making sure they you know get max points out of it because we 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 ideally need minimum of four points in the next two games like that's you know ideally it's six but we we can't get any less in, in my opinion i don't even think just try and maintain that status quo of getting two draws as opposed to you know win one lose one those we we need to not lose we need to win at least one of those games so i think it's going to be um i think it's going to be interesting especially because after that we have got the international break as well after those two fixtures i think so yeah i know it's it's going to be interesting but uh we will be here to cover it of course ladies and gentlemen so we will be back um probably thursday i want to say to do the leads preview show um, bring you up to date with all the latest happening at Wolves. Hopefully, there might be some news about Adama's contract because that seems to be whittling on and on. And frankly, at this point, I just want the club to make a decision and, you know, we can write our long op-eds about his time at Wolves. But until then, um, big thanks to our sponsors, um, Pixel Yeti Media, and um, big thanks to being part of the 90 Min Football Network as well. Um, make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you're not already and you're either watching this on YouTube or you're even an audio listener, um, make sure you jump on to the, um, make sure you like, share, and subscribe as well. Because as I say, we are literally on the verge of hitting 2,000 uh, YouTube subscribers, I believe. At time of talking, we're on 1995. So we are five off. And you know what? I'm going to do a shirt giveaway. That's going to be my uh, thing. So as soon as we get to 2K, we'll celebrate by doing a shirt giveaway. So if you want to be involved, keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast as well. But until that very, I was going to say, a bit of a surprise for myself, I only literally just thought of, um, <laughs> it's goodbye from Jafo. Yep. Good night. It's goodbye from Tom. See ya. And it's goodbye for me. See you next time.